You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, we come now as we open your word, asking you, God, to speak to us through your word. Lord, may the preaching of your word be your word for the sake and glory of your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Great to see everyone this morning. I know that um, I think uh, all of us, Auburn or Alabama, can say we're in a bit of a morning stage this morning, but Lord willing, the hope and grace of God reigns supreme over football, right? So uh, 2 Timothy 3 is where we'll jump in this morning. I want to look at Paul's letter to Timothy. Paul is writing this letter to Timothy as he's contemplating his imminent death. There's a deep conviction from Paul that he is soon to be put to death for holding up the Christian faith. As Paul reflects on his life and he's encouraging Timothy, he makes clear the cost of discipleship. He likens the Christian faith to that of a soldier, an athlete, and a hardworking farmer. And he assures Timothy that the gift of salvation is free, but the work of living for Jesus is demanding and even difficult at times. That the Christian will meet opposition sometimes from people who profess to be Christians themselves. And so this morning I want to look at what he is telling Timothy by way of encouragement. There are three things that we'll reflect on this morning. That's preserve, proclaim, and endure. Those are three things that Paul tells Timothy to proclaim, preserve, and endure. We're going to see it all throughout the book of 2 Timothy in particular. And so I want to build the case for what we'll look at today by just looking at a few verses prior to our reading this morning. In 2 Timothy 1, 8, Paul tells Timothy, So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He's telling Timothy, proclaim this gospel, this good news. Going on in verse 13 of chapter 1, he says, what you've heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us to preserve the good news of the gospel. Going on in chapter 2, verse 1, And then you, my son, be strong in the grace that is Christ Jesus. Preserving. Verse 2, And then the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who who will also be qualified to teach others. This proclamation yet again. Then getting a little closer to our passage today in chapter 3. Verse 13, he says, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, this preserving of the gospel yet again. And then finally in in chapter 4, starting in verse 1, we read this, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. There's our proclamation again. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage 
with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their, eye, or turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Paul encouraging Timothy to preserve the gospel. Don't give in to the itching ears that want you to say something that may not be the truth or say something softer than the truth. And then the third one that I haven't mentioned yet but we'll get to is endure. What does it look like to endure as we proclaim and preserve? In verse three, or in chapter 3, verse 17, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What do you do that thoroughly equips you for every good work? When difficulty comes, when hardships arise, when the call to preserve and proclaim is unbelievably challenging, what do you do? You endure. And that's where we'll go today, those threefold things. I want to answer three questions for us. Why do we preserve, proclaim, and endure? How do we preserve, proclaim, and endure? And who is to proclaim, preserve, and endure? Because the very life that we give, uh, that we live, is attributed to God and the saving power of the gospel. Why is it important? Why is it important that we preserve this gospel to proclaim it and to endure when it's hard? Because we have been given new life. In other words, I live and move and have my being because of what Christ has done. And I owe my very life for the sake of the gospel. If you look at verse 16 of chapter 3, it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And then 17, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is a remarkable phrase, every good work. Everything good that God expects us to do, to live into the holy life that he's calling us to, the scripture equips us to do such. That's an amazing claim. How does it work? How does the Bible equip us for every good work? Well, it's not by supplying us a specific list that cover all possible situations. You know how dangerous that would be, right? Sometimes I think, well, God, if you just tell me what I need to do in this situation... I'd be all good. But I know what would happen. I know my sinfulness and I know my humanness. The first problem with that is there is no list in Scripture that tells us every single situation. There's no possible way that could happen. In Scripture, the the day that Paul is writing to Timothy, there were no televisions, no computers, no cars, no phones, no genetic engineering, no respirators, no bullets, no bombs, The Bible does not equip us for every good work, indeed, by telling us the specific choice to make for every new situation. The other reason I don't think the scriptures do this is because it would lead us straight to legalism. How many of us would find that list and go, checked it off, God, why haven't you fixed the problem? I did everything you told me to do. Doing the things of outward conformity to a demand in the hope that performance will win approval. That's not, Christian. That's not the Christian faith. Good works are done from a heart that treasures God and his help and from a heart that loves to display the glory of Christ. Else the good works are not good at all, no matter how they conform to the external expectations. 
So why do I preserve, proclaim, and endure the gospel? Because it saved me. And because it gives me my strength and being to be who God created me to be. There's the why. But how? How do I do this? Well, Timothy is told by Paul in verse 2 of chapter 4, I equip myself with the very words of God to be able to tell the world about him. I'm prepared, as he says, to preach the word. And then in verse 5, keep my head even in hardships and allow both my actions and my words to give witness to the Jesus who saved me, a wretched sinner that I am. Now you may hear both those things and say, well, I can do neither of those. I'm not a preacher, nor am I an evangelist. I would argue that you are, and you may not know it. I would even argue that you preach and proclaim things every day. Let's take a little dig if I can. I'll be an equal opportunity offender this morning, don't worry. But let me start with the ladies. I've heard many conversations. I, I of course, live with my wife and have a mother-in-law and a mother. And the conversation goes like this. Wow, I love your dress. Now, what do women do the moment someone compliments your dress? You tell them where you got it and how good of a deal you got on it, right? Listen, this was on the rack for $300, and I got it for $150, and they threw in some shoes and a necklace. You should go there. You've just proclaimed. You've just preached about a deal. And why not? Wouldn't we want to leave today and go find the same deal? Now, men, you're not off the hook either. When's the last time you were out on the golf course? Somebody hit a smoking drive, and you looked at them and said, man, what kind of driver do you have? Wow, where'd you get that? What loft are you hitting? How much did that run you? And then we have our terrible round of golf, and where do we go? We go to Academy Sports and say, hey, do you have this driver? I think I can do better with that one. You see, we've proclaimed the things that are important to us. We have no problem proclaiming the things that are easy. But yet I hear oftentimes from Christians, I don't know how to do that. Now, I will say that at times we have not equipped you well enough to go and proclaim the good news. It's one of my hearts is to be able to equip all believers to be able to proclaim the good news of the gospel. In fact, which we'll get to here in just a moment, the who, we do that to even our children here at the Advent. But I'll come back to that in just a moment. But you're already a proclaimer. You're already preaching. What would it look like now for you to tell someone about the Savior who erased the very darkened life of sin and washed you white as snow? Are we afraid that someone might hear it and change their life, change their eternal destination, that they might hear it and respond? The how of the preserving, proclaiming, and enduring is by living out the faith in Jesus and opening our mouth to proclaim the truth even when the truth hurts, which leads to my final point. Who? Who is to be taught to preserve, proclaim, and endure? Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, you do this, but then you also entrust to other people to do this as well. If your first instinct was to say, when I said, who is to be taught to preserve, proclaim, and endure, you looked at me and said, you are. That's why you're up there. Well, my argument would be, so are you. 
All of us are in this boat. All of us called by God to proclaim, to preserve and endure. Look at verse 3. But the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itchy ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to the myths. You know way more people than I know. You know way more people that you can proclaim the gospel to than I do. Anyone who has ears and everyone who needs a savior, I think that pretty much covers the entire population of the earth. You know, our children, I'll go back to this again. Our children at the beginning of the school year are all taught in our Sunday school classes how to proclaim the gospel to their friends. Did you know we teach them that? We teach them what it looks like to be living in a broken world and that God made it perfect and man sinned. And the only way to get away from the sinful world and the brokenness is to turn and, and repent and give our life to Jesus so that we might become a new creation and then to go back into the brokenness of the world and proclaim it to all who would hear. My seven-year-old can tell you that story. That's not because I've done a good job of teaching him. It's because I showed him once and he wanted a sticker. And I said, if you want the sticker, you got to be able to tell me what it means. Hasn't any good seven-year-old would say, well, I want a sticker, so I got to know what it means. So I want to be clear this morning. When we're living in the day that Paul warned Timothy about, that the itching ears want to hear good things. They don't want to hear the hard things, the difficult things. But catch this. He said it to Timothy, excuse me. He said it to Timothy then because it was happening also. Paul saw the itching ears and turning from the truth to the other things in his day, just like we see in our own day. But it did not stop him from being faithful and spurring Timothy on to do the same. I've said for years, and you see it as well, the truth of the gospel must be told to this world that is wallowing in its own desires. Paul knew it would not be easy. And that's why he kept telling Timothy to endure through the hardships. When people will not listen, God has given us the call to something great. Church, you are called to preserve, to proclaim and endure. You've been changed by the power of the gospel. And you've been given the power of the Holy Spirit to go and to do just that. And so this morning, I ask you the question, when you leave this place, will you walk out and say, well, that was an okay sermon. Good thing I don't have to apply it. Or will you walk out and say, what do I need to do? What is God calling me to do in response to what I've heard in his word? I heard one time that a a lead singer of a band called Casting Crowns, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but he, he said the words, He said, a sermon and a song can change your afternoon, but a life committed to Christ changes everything. This sermon, these songs, they may change your afternoon, but I wonder, are you committed to preserve, to proclaim the gospel, and to endure to the end, no matter what? May that be us, and may God get all the glory. Amen. Thank you.
You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.